you know any places any Sega nerds hang out around here? Welcome to the Sega Nerdcast, episode 122. I am Chris, the editor of Sega Nerds, and with me today is Marson. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. And we also have Rob, uh, also known as Sketchcraft, uh, coming on the Nerdcast for the very first time. How's it going, Rob? Pretty good. What's up, everybody? Hey, how's it going? Uh, so we got a really exciting Nerdcast for you today. Um, this is actually probably going to be the very last nerdcast that we're ever going to be doing um uh, we'll tell you why at the end you have to stick around because we have some really really exciting news uh probably one of the biggest announcements that we've ever had in the site's history so you have to stick around until the very end i promise you you will uh be very excited to hear this news um but outside of that and before we get to that we're going to talk some e3 stuff because all three of us we were in L.A. this past week, hanging out, checking out the Sega games, uh, looking at all sorts of stuff. We had a blast. We were all exhausted. <laughs> I think Gee, uh, yeah. it's uh, fair to say we've all been uh, pretty exhausted. But we had a blast. This was uh, a very fun E3. Uh, so let's just get right to it. Uh, starting off with, uh, let's look at the Sega games of E3. And, uh, Marcin, can you, uh, take us into that? And, uh, let's, let's talk about some Sega games, see what Sega had to show at E3 this year. So there were a couple of games that they, uh, showed off, uh, at E3. Uh, the first one that I'll, I'll kind of, kind of brush over is Total War Three Kingdoms. Now this one is a complete sequel and original, uh, sequel in the Total War franchise because in the past couple of years they've been doing a number of expansions. <clears throat> but Total War Three Kingdoms is a completely new installment in the franchise. Um, the game wasn't playable uh, on the show floor, but they did have a booth that did have the trailer for... Or, or, uh, they had a trailer and basically had a gameplay video with the developers explaining... Um, you know, the gameplay. <clears throat> and the the one big part that I took away uh, and I actually thought was pretty cool was the combat system that they uh, included uh, and basically uh, demonstrated and showed it off. And it was actually pretty cool. Uh, I'm not a big, the biggest fan of real-time strategy games, but uh, what they showed had me pretty intrigued. So I might give it a look. Yeah, it looked really cool. The one thing that that really stood out to me um, was the camera system. It was so cinematic. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if it was mainly uh, the developer how he was he was like just working the camera, or whatever. But it was really neat. It was just like such like sweeping scenes of the the battle and each like different formation, and they broke everything down and and how they showed uh, how the battle was uh, kind of taking part. It was really interesting because there was all these different generals like <clears throat> that had their section of uh, their army, and and they showed how each general was uh, you know implementing their tactics and and everything. It was really neat, uh, and there was some really cool 
like a one-on-one combat that they displayed between the generals. So you could basically take one of your generals and move him uh, closer to an enemy general or commander and challenge him to one-on-one combat. And at that point, I don't know how much uh, of like the player has uh, control in that uh, part because it looked almost like it was like a like already like pre pre done you know what i mean like it was just like it, it looked just pre-animated i guess um, yeah so i don't i don't know if there's much that you're actually controlling in that or if it's just once you do it uh it's it's already like set in motion or whatever um but it it was really neat i i really was impressed with uh with total war three three kingdoms you know guys i uh there was quite a few vr uh games at e3 some on some 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 announcements that I thought were kind of off the wall, like uh, Gungrave, yeah, and some Bethesda announcements. Total War would have been one that I just think would have been awesome to have a VR version of this because I'm not that into real time strategy games, but you give me VR, I think I could really get into having all these kind of armies. Like if I was surrounded by all my armies, you know, like like this sort of game would have been pretty amazing for for that format. I feel like that's a game they should, they, if they're not thinking about already, that they should be thinking about because especially with, you know, the advancements we've had in VR technology and I mean, it's not as where it should be, but when it comes to like a game like uh, Total War, I think it would be cool to be on the battleground. Uh, and I think you might have been discussing it, Robert. I'm not sure who we were talking about where we basically, kind of you know you're kind of in god mode where you're basically in vr and you're kind of moving around your armies but then you can also be in first person and be on the battlefield um yeah there's, a, there's an opportunity there i think with vr that yeah. hasn't been utilized yet and i know people go oh i'm not a big fan of vr i'm just a lot of people weren't weren't, weren't a fan of 3d games until mario 64 right? it just takes the right, right one and i just think that the most under underutilized game format for VR is this tabletop gaming arena. I mean, when you think about like you, you guys have any of those Warhammer friends? You know, they got like those amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has those guys, right? Yeah, especially in the military, right? right Chris, like, <laughs> I attempted, but like then you have to like paint the figures, and yeah. I can't do any of that shit. I can't but, even color in the lines. But with VR, <laughs> you know, you can have your own like land set up. You can be sculpting out. Like the idea of building fortresses, those things I think really would complement VR. So I'm, I'm, this is a wish list. It's not the actual game we got, but um, I did not get a chance to play it. When you guys were in the Total War booth, um, I was outside of it for some reason. I, I can't remember why. But did you guys actually get to play this game? Were they allowing people to play Total War? That's the weird thing about it is that they, they that was probably the biggest part of. Sega's booth was like total war. It was gigantic it, and it was very elaborate. It looked amazing, but that was the thing. They didn't have it, it wasn't playable. They basically like what Marson was saying, they had a a a video at the beginning that that basically caught you everyone up. It was like a synopsis of what Total War is. And then for the next like 20 25 minutes, they had a, a developer play the game, That's a so portion weird. of the game, and that was it. And then you left and that was it. It was it was just kind of strange. Uh, last year they did have total one of the Total War expansions or something like that playable, right, Marson? Yeah, the Warhammer uh, expansions. That's what um, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so yeah, so weird. maybe maybe they had intended to have a playable demo and something fell through because that was a pretty elaborate. That's the most elaborate booth I've, I've seen for a game that's not playable. Like, yeah. I mean, they had a giant samurai statue and just. I mean, the booth was all ornate. And it was really impressive. I mean, it was more impressive than than the Sonic <laughs> stuff, you know. And you just you get there, and you're like, when you guys said we couldn't play the game, I was like, are you? Really? Like <laughs> it was a fancy home theater, you know. Uh, and yeah, Sonic wasn't as elaborate. They did have the car, but we'll talk about that later. So, all right, next up, Marson. Yes. Uh, well, Valkyria Chronicles Four. Um, didn't really get a chance to play it. I'll be honest. We did. It. We kind of just hovered over the people uh, playing. Uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4 but uh, didn't really get a chance to play it I did uh, overhear some people discussing the game and they do think it's an upgrade from what they released previously but um, yeah I I don't have too much of an opinion on this one guys so unless you do I did hear Rob saying a, a few things about it, about some of the uh, like the uh, the visual like style and stuff like that. Um, mainly the uh, you didn't like the uh, the border around the uh, the screen. Oh, in some well, portions, the right? game first off, if you didn't know, uh, if you haven't played, if you if you played the original Valkyria Chronicles and you looked at this, there's no mistaking it's a Valkyria Chronicles game. Mm-hmm. Unlike the third person like weird, I don't know what that title they what they put up before. This is an actual. Real, you know, strategy third person with maps that seamlessly go from the 2D illustrated map into the battlefield. It's gorgeous. They have this border around the screen that sort of frames the art to kind of look like a painting because the art has a very artistic vision, has sort of a an artistic, you know, the, the the line rendering outlines and then the watercolor textures. And they added this white frame around the screen that. I just hope I can turn off. Not, not that it's super bad. It's just it feels like it's just needlessly shrinking my screen down. Like the game's so beautiful, you want it to take full frame. You know, you want it to be full frame. Uh, but I mean, I sat there and looked at that demo for the better part of twenty freaking minutes, and it's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty seamless. And I was watching it specifically on the Switch to see if there's any slowdown or any stuttering, and it ran it ran really really well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I need another RPG in my life this year. Like, I need, you know, a tax return. Like, <laughs> with Dragon Quest coming out, and I'm like, that's going to be 300 hours of my life. But yeah. Valkyria Chronicles on my Switch, I, I, I'm going to have to get it. I mean, the, the, it was a Yusumi Matsuno, it's Matsuno, right? The, the, the composer for, uh, the, you know, all the Ivalice games, Final Fantasy XII. Uh, he did Valkyria Chronicles before, you know, the, the previous two or three. And he's like my favorite composer of all time. The little bit of music I could hear because it was really loud in E3 uh, sounds perfect. I mean, it just it's if you love uh, Valkyria Chronicles one, two, and three, uh, and and you got a switch and you want to be able to take Valkyria Chronicles everywhere with you, this is going to be the game to get, like no doubt. Definitely, uh, I think Graham, you just joined us. You're here, right? I think he just muted himself. I think he just unmuted himself, but now his mic's not working. <laughs> Graham? Graham, are you with us? I don't hear him. I guess not. Well, we'll keep trying to get Graham back in. 
Okay. All right, well, let's so, just roll on to the next one then. Keep it rolling. Uh, so Yakuza Kiwami 2, I did get a chance to play. I got a chance to play uh, both the uh, Majima storyline and the Kazuma storyline. Um, I, I played Kiwami 1, so I and I've played the previous Yakuza game, so I mean, I'm... You, you, if you've played the previous ones, you are going to be very familiar with Kiwami 2. Um, if you've played Kiwa- only Kiwami 1, Kiwami 1 is uh, running on the older engine that they uh, had uh, with ya- uh, Kiwami 2. You had get the engine from Yakuza 6. So you, you get an actual PlayStation 4 caliber graphic, you know, graphically beautiful game um, and you can immediately notice a difference uh, in Kiwami 2 versus the uh, Kiwami 1 uh, graphically it's fantastic uh, there are almost no loading screens uh, when it comes to uh, going from shop to shop uh, you just walk through the doors and there you go uh, the only times I've saw I've seen a loading screen is when they were going to a, into a cutscene but that's kind of expected um, but yeah the 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 gameplay is very smooth. I played a couple of the arcade games, so I got a chance to play Virtual Fighter 2 uh, and the UFO Catcher, which I still suck at, uh, even in the virtual world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty freaking awesome. And I'm definitely going to buy it when it comes out. I believe it's August. Yeah, that's actually coming up pretty quickly. Um, it's weird that Yakuza seems like it's become an annual series for Sega at this point. Like, every year now, there's a Yakuza game, and it seems to be that we went so long between each uh, each new uh, you know sequel or entry in the series, and now we're getting them so often. Um, <clears throat> it's almost like Star Wars. It's just every, you know, it seems like every time you turn around or go to the theater, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out, and it seems kind of the same way with Yakuza, but um, I'm excited for Yakuza Kwame 2. Um, I'm still actually playing Yakuza 0 and um, Yakuza 6, so I need to still play those games. I haven't even gone to Yakuza Kwame yet. Uh, my backlog is just so uh, filled up, but I'll still pick it up. Uh, it looks great. It looks awesome. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play it, but um, hopefully it keeps selling well and we'll get a... Because uh, Yakuza... Yakuza 2 was the last one on the PS2, and the 3 came on the PS3, right? Yeah, that's right. And they okay. actually announced that almost all uh, all the Yakuza entries are going to be on PC. Uh, and they might even release it on PS4, but currently that's a Japanese-only release. So you can potentially have every single Yakuza game on one console. Um, and just kind of going back to what you talked about with Yakuza being an annual thing now, I think Yakuza 0 is definitely like their watershed moment, and it, it basically showed how popular those games are now in the West, um, because we've basically had, like you said, a game every year, and for the past two years, it's been two releases per year. Uh, Zero and Kiwami came out the same year, and Yakuza 6 came out in April, and we're getting Kiwami 2 in August. But, I mean, Japan's already, you know, Sega of Japan is ahead of the curve, so they've been, you know, really, they release these games two or three or four years prior, so we're getting them so frequently just because they decided now to release them in the West, and they have a couple of games they haven't released yet, so. Right on. Graham, are you back with us now? 
Come I on. hope so. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, yeah. We can hear you. <laughs> hey! Yes. I have right. no idea what happened you there. Hate it. Welcome to yeah. the podcast. Hey, guys. How's All it right. going? Let's get the smoothest voice. You <laughs> <laughs> can read the telephone book to me and I'll fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, I'm getting tired. <laughs> wait, you, we don't want people to get tired when they no. listen to this. That's like oh, the wait, okay. <laughs> um, Graham, did you um, did you see anything about Yakuza Kiwami Two for me three? We were just talking. Um, about it. I did see a little bit of it. Isn't it coming to the PC and stuff? Is something like yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be like uh, uncapped frame rates, like uh, like super high resolution. Uh, it's gonna yeah, be awesome. So that's yeah. gonna be pretty sexy. That that means I don't need to buy a PS4 now. Huzzah! Yeah, stick with your Microsoft console. Yeah, that's the way. Xbox One. Now, <laughs> if you want yeah. one of these Yakuza games, you don't. Right? Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, n- next up, Marson. Uh, Shining Residence Refrain. Um. Shining Resonance, I, again, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to play it just because the other ones I was so, you know, busy playing the other the four or five of the games that I, I had to, I had a chance to play because otherwise we were just completely, right. you know, busy. But I don't know. Do you guys have any comments on Shining so, Resonance? Yeah, so Sega actually put a demo of the game up um, either, I think it was yesterday. I'm not sure if it was the same thing that they were showing on the show floor, but I, I played it this morning. Uh, and it was, uh, it's actually interesting. It's, it is, it, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. And it's the, the dial, the, the voice acting is kind of wonky. I'll say that, um, just right, right out of the gate. It's the voice acting isn't the best. Um, but the, the gameplay and, um, like the, um, the combat system is actually pretty cool. It's like a third person, um, I, I don't really know what's going on with the story. They tried to, um, explain it. Like you're this, uh, at, at the very beginning, you're, you're this like, uh, art, like army captain, this, this female, and you're, you're leading, uh, your troops into, uh, take, uh, into this, uh, you're like laying siege to this castle. And basically you're trying to free this, uh, this, this person, this this guy who has some sort of special power, um, and you're able to get him. You you break him out of prison, and you're trying to escape um, the castle before you know you can get caught. And at the very end of the demo, this like dragon lancer chick comes out and catches you, but like before you can escape. And this she calls on this big dragon that comes out, and you have to fight the dragon. It goes back and back and forth for a little bit, and then you find out that the dude that you rescued from prison can turn himself into a dragon, and he's like the most powerful dragon in the world. It's so super weird. It's very very strange. Um, so I don't really know what to say. I played it. I was like, I was. It was like seven o'clock this morning. I was playing it, and I was like, what the hell did I just play? This is so. This is like such a Japanese game, um, so I, I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't know. It's um, it's interesting. Yeah, because I don't know. I think I think like a, a lot of um, sort of Sega gamers who might be familiar with the, the Shining franchise, really, then we're probably more used to the strategy games that are on the Mega Drive or Genesis, and this looks very different um, to any of that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen the screenshots and stuff. I haven't yet played the demo yet, although I have 
um, told my Xbox to download it. Uh, I just haven't uh, got a chance to actually sit down and play it yet. But um, maybe Did you actually just tell your Xbox to download it? I was actually just on the Xbox uh, Microsoft website and said install demo just just as you were ah, talking about oh, there you go. it. <laughs> Literally just then I was like install please. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's it's interesting. It's coming out. I think it comes out in August. It's uh it's out of all these games I think it might come out the soonest actually. Mm. Um we have a uh, we have a review code pending for it Graham. So you um you're actually set to be the one to review the game. Yes. So uh, lucky you. It's be very exciting. Yeah. Uh, lucky yeah. you. So, I mean, it's looking um, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you'll love the voice acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's uh, keep it rolling. Uh, Team Sonic Racing, I believe. Um, this one I did get a thorough chance to play, too. Um, we all actually kind of got a chance to play this one. Um, Why don't we throw it uh, over to to Rob? Rob, are you you're still here, right? Yeah. Did you, did you come back on? He appeared. Yep. Sure. So, so with Sonic, so so with with Sonic Team Racing, I thought it was going to be an extension of Sonic Transform Racing, but maybe it'll be like three on three combat. Maybe have a little bit of that Rocket League format, but with like a track or something more online competitive. You know, like I thought that's what it would come across. It felt more like to me, having played the game, that the other two members on your team are really there to kind of help you get a first place if you suck at racing. Like, like, like they felt more like a like a handicap, hmm. uh, like like a handicap. But you, what do you? What, you think when you play with your little brother, but he sucks, so he gets like the leverage on. <laughs> it's you. a handicap. You know? That that's yeah. a handicap. Yeah, it felt like because like the, the, even the way. I just want to say, even the way like you 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 break into like you can slide power slide through turns, really felt fairly I don't know generic and just and I mean the engine wasn't as optimized as I would like it, but it's hard to say if that's a demo issue on the floor, but it just didn't have that depth and it really didn't feel like any of the levels that I played were themed to anything specifically from Sonic, but they just felt like kind of generic. Uh, racing levels like so how how does the team thing work for someone who like i i haven't played the game obviously and i don't really know much about it like, so the team does- thing is so in uh the sonic team sonic racing um there's a couple of things so you basically pick your own character and then mm-hmm. uh after you pick the character then it looks like the team is decided for you after uh, before you start the race. So then it, they tell you, like, okay, Knuckles is your team member, and, you know, E10, I forgot the other number, is your team member. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you basically, you, you're all racing individually on, on this racing course. But then you also have these abilities when you're near the uh, other team members, uh, okay. such as if you speed up behind one of them, you get a boost. Um, if, if you're with them right next to an enemy, you're allowed to like kind of side plow the other team member. Um, you can give them items and they can give you items. You can request an item by pressing, I think it's circle. Um, there's also a, uh, little meter that's on the, uh, bottom of your cart. So like when you're driving, you can see the meter right under your cart. Uh, every time you do a team, focused move your uh, meter increases and then you eventually can fill it up to get a a, like an ultimate 
special move. Okay. Um, <laughs> so as you were describing that, I had the image of Talladega Nights and them doing the shake and bake um, <laughs> maneuver, <laughs> just like zip past each other and stuff. <laughs> it's like shake and bake. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, okay. So that might be a move, but. Um, <laughs> The thing was, like, after I got through playing it, like, all I wanted was just, I, I, I wanted just more Sonic transformed. Like, I, I couldn't mm, see any, right. any part in this game that was better than the last game. Like, the last game was so much better. Like Rob was saying, like, the, the, the course was rather generic. The courses in Transformer were one of the best parts about it. They were so cool. It, you know, each mm. location was like from a different game. It was amazing. Um, I think it would have been so awesome to have. I, I like the idea of the teams, and I think that could have been the way to do a new transformed game. Is like you take three characters from you know different major Sega series, and you have them team up. Like think about it. You could have like. Ryu, uh, Landy, and like Fukusan or someone, you know, like, and and they would be a team that they would be racing, and you could have the Sonic characters. Uh, it it, it would have been yeah. really Imagine interesting. You can form your own like little league or or entering like, mm. you know, there could be a story mode where you guys have your you know sponsorships from different you know in game. Like there could be something there, but it really just it felt like the game that should have come before Transform. Right. right. It felt like the game that what? should have even come before in the original Sonic and All Stars Team Racing, like well, the, was, before that. I was going to ask that. How does it compare to the original Sonic um, All Stars Racing game? I, so. I, st- I still think if I if I had to rank it based on my initial you know uh, initial thoughts, I would put it third. Um, okay. Well. Okay. But because, like again, like the the one of the main things that that I think is a big mistake that they did is they omitted every single other major Sega intellectual property, and you know for whatever reason I don't know what the reason is, but I think they made a mistake getting rid of these Sega characters, and there would be so much more potential having teams, like Chris was mentioning, you know. Um, and the level design, it doesn't seem as intricate or as, as, as creative as the other ones. Now, the yeah, other ones also have... Marcin, it didn't help that right across from the booth was Smash Brothers. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> so you're looking at, like, every... As a matter of fact, there's even Nintendo screens facing into the Sega booth. So you're looking at every... <laughs> They're basically mocking you. Made. And then you look at this racing game, you're like, this should be their version of Smash, you know? Instead of fighting, it's racing, which makes sense right. with Sonic, you know? And Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. If it had like every Sega IP character in there, like all you know, and even some of the silver ones like Alex Kid and Monster Boy and Streets of Rage and like all these characters, like that that would have been amazing. Because it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for me, like if I was in their mindset and I was helping create this game and this is the same developers who helped create the other two to say, okay, we're going to get rid of all those characters, and we're just going to leave Sonic and the the people you you know. That for me doesn't make any sense, and I don't know what the appeal is to omit these characters. Well, and- I'm wondering if that is actually something down to Sega Japan because I remember interviewing Sumo Digital when they were making the first Sonic All Stars Racing game, and they were saying how actually difficult it was to get licensing for all the different characters and you know just stupid things like well it's not stupid i guess but just making sure the artwork was correct for different characters and like they had ideas for certain characters they wanted to bring in and then this the artwork the the, the japan sega japan's went no the art's not quite right you can't have that character now 
So apparently there's like a massive ball ache in developing and stuff. So I'm wondering if Sega Japan made that decision to say, no, you can only have Sonic this time, basically. Well, they're going that, to reap the benefits um, of that decision really soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Maybe there's cost involved as well, like because I think some of the licenses Sega has to sort of you know speak to the original developers and get licensing. It's weird that say there's this massive weird thing with Sega with all their old IPs. They don't technically own all of them outright. So they have to still speak to developers and you know artists and stuff to get permission and. I don't know, there's all this licensing crap going on, but um, yeah, that's the only thing I can think as to why, because everything you've said um, sort of makes sense. It, it seems stupid that they've got this winning formula with all the IPs, and it's like a franchise that's now established, because even like they've got you know, the Sega Superstars Tennis um, the, the, you know, back in the day, and they had one on the PlayStation 2 with the iToy, so it's almost like an established franchise that's moved into racing, and now it's like, nope, just Sonic now. <laughs> I just don't know. It's... Uh, well, that's why I was saying it felt like a mobile game in that, mm. you know, sometimes you get like these mobile games that are like just four or five characters. You know, they're a smaller version of something that you would get like in a full yeah. retail release. Marcel, and I, 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 no, I was I was just gonna say like, like I like I said earlier, it just feels like a backtrack. Like it does it like you said it's like a mobile game because it does feel so much more simplistic and 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 you know not as intricate as the other ones. Like Transform or All Stars Racing Transform built off the original one, and both of them are considered sleeper hits by critics and people who play the game. You know, and with this game, you basically eliminate everything that was great about those two, and it really feels like a backtrack and um, the wrong direction to take. If if this is still considered as part of that series, it's the wrong direction to take it. And so, hmm. I was underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we uh, perfectly uh, kind of encapsulated that one. Uh, next up is Fist of the North Star, and Marson, you got to play that. I got to play that, and then I got to record a number of sexual innuendos with this one. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I, I was never the biggest Fist of North Star fan, and maybe I, I just wasn't, I, I just didn't find an interest in, you know, reading them or whatever. But this game was entertaining as all hell. I mean, I love the Yakuza series. I love Shenmue. I love, uh, those kinds of games. Um, and, the people who created Yakuza created Fist of the North Star with the, with the Yakuza engine, and you can obviously tell playing this game that it's it's basically like Yakuza. Uh, you're walking around, you're beating up you know enemies on the streets. You have these crazy mini games that you get to play, like in Yakuza, um, and it's got its own flair to it. It has its own kind of distinct combat system. Uh, you know, you beat up guys and you can have their heads explode with, you know, <laughs> a number of, uh, special moves. You have like these talismans that also help you, uh, do these special abilities. Um, the biggest, the most entertaining part, I will say, and Chris recorded it, I don't know, Graham, if you saw it on Twitter, was doing the, these mini games that you saw at the bar. And you had three options. Each one was slightly more difficult than the other. But it all revolved around just pressing a button or an a, a, a interface of buttons repeatedly. So one of them had me shaking or stirring. I don't know which one I was doing, <laughs> uh, like a martini or something. So I basically had I had the PS4 controller in a vertical position, and I was just moving my hand up and down furiously. <laughs> 
and I had my mouth open and I was staring at the screen and I, I was going like really fast until it said complete. And then I basically imitated, you know, smoking a cigarette and going, ah, good. Uh, it was fun. Uh, and then the other one, and then the other one was like me furiously moving the joystick around until, I guess I stirred the drink, and then the other one was furiously pressing the uh, triangle, circle, square, and X buttons until I chiseled out. I don't even know what the hell that was. I guess it was a drink. Uh, that was fun. Uh, it's like it was as quirky as the Yakuza games, and you know, I enjoyed the combat system much more uh, in this one than I did in the Yakuza games. So. Okay. I'm looking forward to it, to it when it comes out. I'm glad that they got a Western release, and I figured they were going to release it in the West, um, but I didn't know it would be this soon. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, nothing I about like Yakuza, this style of it. I feel like Yakuza by way of Borderlands. If that makes any sense. Yes, in a good way, not not a bad way. Just it definitely had like a blend between the two. Yeah. Hmm. And last up, uh, we have Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. What did you guys think of that? So that one, see, I didn't get. I did play a little bit. Um, for uh, it was released on the other consoles. When was it? Was it last year? No, that that was uh, Wonder Boy. Yeah, I thought so they also is... released Monster Boy as well. No, no Monster Boy has not been released yet. Okay, it was well, that, but in that yeah, case. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> For so, from what I played, I absolutely enjoyed this game. Uh, it does remind me of like those '90s, mid '90s, late '90s platformers. Uh, the the art art direction, the, the way the, the the characters were, you know, designed and created, it, it was just a gorgeous looking game. You know, and it's definitely not one. It's it's a unique looking game. You know, in comparison to other ones that are currently out. Uh, on the market uh, so the game had two chapters you initially started off as the human version and then uh, you also had one where he was a frog I guess he's a frog um, and each monster has a unique ability that kind of gets you from point A to point B uh, you know, you can, they, there are shops along the way, so when you're going through the level, uh, you can stop in and get, you know, armor and, and all that kind of stuff. But my overall imp- impression of it, I love the music, I love the art direction, I love the gameplay. Uh, it, it, some people would, would say it's simplistic, but I think it's what makes it great, you know. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, Monster Boy. It was really fun. Uh, Rob, you had uh, some some pretty. You were pretty impressed with the the art in the game, right? Uh, for me, it was my favorite game of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't. I think maybe when people see two D art, um, the average person, I think they think it's just a style, and they probably think something like a Spider Man game is much more harder to make because it's very realistic looking. It is so difficult to make hand drawn two D art games that it's almost. Uh, complete lost art. Aside from indie games, it's very difficult to do. That's why a lot of a lot of two D looking games are actually being pushed out through three D, um, like Arc System Works and stuff, and they look really, really amazing. But the two D art form uh, is 
aside from pixels, the hand drawn stuff, it's, it's it's very difficult. A lot of them have very flash based look. This doesn't have it looks it looks as good as did you guys ever play Wario Shake Shake It Up on the or Shake on a, the Wii? No. It was a two D no. platforming game, hand drawn. This was like that, but the next step forward. Like there's so many little uh, the lines aren't perfect or not. Like, when you play, like, a 2D... If there's a 2D game you play on mobile, a lot of times those are flash-based, so mm. they sort of make all the art through vector, and then they hinge them on these little marionettes, and they're... And they always look... They feel cheap. I don't know how to describe it. It's a very... It's a very subliminal thing. It doesn't... It feels like uh, something you play on a slot machine. But this is... this Everything's hand-drawn. Every, every jump pose, every attack animation, every idle moment... Uh, they're all framed looped animations that are hand animated. So a lot of the animations for the game is being done out of France and Germany, and then the cutscenes are being done out of Japan. So I was, we were talking to the owner of the studio, FTG, and I said, you know, this really reminds me of a lot of like the Dofus and the Wakfu stuff, which which is a French based. Uh, animation studio that they've worked with a lot of Japanese animators and he's like that's because the cutscene's done in Japan and this is done in France and I'm like hell yeah I can I can see it you know <laughs> and he was hella cool uh, yeah me, he was great yeah it's just and it, and it doesn't compete with the look of Wonder Boy at all Wonder Boy has like a um, like an ink brush stroke feel this has more of I want to say like a Project Echo if you remember that anime like an early 90s like mm-hmm. anime feel to all that. Very bright, very vibrant. Uh, like I said, and, it's, and it sucks because it's like it was on, what, one or two screens behind everything else? It was great that they got placement in the Sega booth, but there should have been a giant Monster Boy fucking banner com- compared to, say, the Total War booth, which had nothing playable. Like, if they, imagine if that Total War booth was Monster Boy with the statues of all the characters. I mean, like, they should get behind the studio a thousand percent. It, yeah, it so I guess Sega fun. is going to distribute the game. FDG is publishing, and Game Atelier is actually the developers. So um, FDG is teamed up. They're a very small publisher based out of Germany, um, and they're teaming up with Sega of America to distribute the game in, in America, which is why they had their booth mm. um, in in Sega's um, like section. So. If you like games like Cuphead and you can appreciate hand drawn animation, this. This is like that, but with a 90s anime flair. All the, the enemy types, the crabs and the sunflowers, they all have little... They give little extra looks and little little bits of uh, personality. And, and, you know, when you, light, when you light a sunflower fire, you go, oh, it's kind of like a little... It <laughs> emotes. So I was really, really impressed with, with that game. And and if you get a chance to... Are they going to release a demo at all? Like, are they going to... I don't know. I don't. I don't think they've released a public demo yet. But um, and they may not. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure because the game is actually, from what he was saying, it's 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 pretty far in development. I think he's saying like maybe August sometime uh-huh. um, is when it comes. It's supposed to come out. Um, official release date is summer, uh, uh, 2018. So we will see. Could you imagine uh, these guys did a 2D hand drawn Sonic? You know what I mean? Oh, it would be amazing. Yeah, they, it's they, not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> shut up, man! Like, <laughs> game, or is it? Nah, again, it was my favorite game of the entire Ooh. show. So. 
Uh, Chris, what did you think about it? Because you'd actually played it um, about it's nearly two years ago now, isn't it? Or a, a yeah, year it's ago. Been, it was at the Gamescom twenty, I think sixteen mm. demo. Um, but it's changed a lot. I mean, they've they've gone back, I think maybe two times since then, and redone all the art. Mm. Uh, and that was one of the things I was talking to uh, the uh, the CEO of F- FDG um, Entertainment about. Um, I was like, hey, do you think they're gonna uh, you know, update the 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 art style again. He's like, no way, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> but it looks fantastic. Um, the it was funny because the demo is actually fairly similar to the one I played a couple years ago, but it's just much more tighter now. The the um, art is way way better. Uh, mm. It's just overall a much better game. Yeah, uh, I I think it's it's going to be uh, a really good game. I think the big takeaway from this though is something that we were discussing on the show floor is that these guys are showing how other game companies should treat uh, follow ups to classic games uh, because it is every bit as as good and amazing as the old school Wonder Boys. Um, but done in just a very, very amazing way. They are taking care of the franchise. You can tell with how much work uh, and how much skill and everything else has gone into this game that these are true fans of the series. Uh, and I think uh, you know people who played those games um, back in the day are really genuinely going to love uh, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. Awesome. So almost the opposite of Team Sonic Racing. The exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and it man. was right next to Sonic Racing, so you could just uh, peer over and go, "Ye son of a," you know. Like, no, just... <laughs> like stop it's, mocking it's, me. It is. I, I think that the European game scene is just real. I mean, there's just so much talent coming out of that area right now that Sega really, and Sega of Europe really should be looking to put them in a a much hmm. bigger limelight. I don't know. You know, what I mean, they should. Considering how much promotion Sonic Team Racing will get and some of these other titles, that like I just feel like this this is something that should be, and things like this should be definitely higher up on the on the hey guys you know like you should check these guys out yep because, you know it's, it's, it's pretty yeah and cool. oh well that's kind of cool it's kind of cool to see that happening and you know maybe. You know, Sega's been slightly more open of late, you know, like with the whole Sonic Mania thing going on, maybe down the line they will go to these guys, hey, make make another Wonder Boy, or I don't know, make make, make another classic game of ours, um, and make it officially a Sega game. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to some of our favorite moments of E3 now. Um, Graham, did you get to? I I know you 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 weren't able to come with us to E three this year, but were you able to watch a bunch of E three? And if so, did you feel like you have like a favorite moment of anything that you saw at E three? Um, oh man, well you know me, I'm a I'm a Microsoft fanboy. Um, <laughs> I was very excited for to hear about Halo. Um, also, even though there was nothing of it, Elder Scrolls Six. Um, that's obviously made me very excited and. Yeah, I don't really know. I, I, yeah, I, I watched bits and pieces of things. I thought I remember. To be honest, I've actually forgotten the Nintendo briefing. <laughs> I, was like, I can't really remember what happened in that. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, nothing really surprised me that much. I mean, it's 
you know, I was expecting another Halo, I was expecting another Gears of War and stuff from Microsoft. Um, they made some other cool announcements about trying to work with more indie developers and stuff. And uh, again, Sony was mostly stuff I was kind of expecting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't overwhelmed with this E3 at all in any way. Um, just I'm excited, as I say, I'm excited for another Elder Scrolls. That's probably the biggest news. I was like, ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess Fallout 76 sounded kind of interesting, but then at the same time, I'm not sure about it. That's that's a question mark for me. That's probably my biggest question mark of the of of the sort of event, as it were, um, if it's going to be any good or not. But yeah, I don't know what else to say really. <laughs> um, no, that's yeah. cool, uh, Rob. What about you? What was uh, one of your favorite moments of E3? Um, the the presentations are just going to the show. Um, I would say going to the show. Going to the show, uh, I was really impressed by how many like surprise VR titles there were. Like we saw some early tech that you know it's getting it's getting there. It's getting slowly but surely to the point where you're going to have wireless VR and, and stuff like that. And so, I mean, like v- VR is something that you either. 100% get when it works and you love it and or you're like I hate that 3D shit I don't want to do it um, but for me the dream will always be Sword Art Online right so like every year you know I remember when VR started out as just really in a way uh, well I wasn't there for Virtual Boy but I remember I was there I was at the E3 when the 3DS first came out and it was the idea of glasses free 3d like blew everyone's mind you know mm. and so now we're at wireless sets and i can just i mean there was a lot of indie vr too there was a lot of indie game vr you know and they kept asking me to try some of it but i had to question the cleanliness of some of the you know <laughs> <laughs> put this on your I, face i don't no like alcohol swab I let my buddy Brandon use my VR set once and he just sweat all over it. I'm like, he was disgusting little... <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I was really impressed with that. And then secondary to that would be the amount of things that weren't shown in presentations, like Monster Boy. We're going to talk about it later. The Polymega was something that blew me away and I didn't even... I went in there going like, that thing that doesn't exist, huh? So... And, the, and a lot of love for retro gaming to the point where we saw like three or four different mini arcade things you could own, you know, new retro game controllers that are compatible with any Bluetooth device or Switch. And so, like, there's just a, a more variety of things at E3 beyond just the AAA games. I thought was was pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Marson, what about you? Uh, I just want to say, for that Death Stranding trailer, what the fuck was that? Honestly. <laughs> I uh, but, still haven't been able to see it. But that's, that's all I'll say about that. Because um, it's always what the fuck. Uh, some of my favorite moments, I guess, like the ones where it comes to me attending it. Uh, I did enjoy uh, recording that stuff for Adam Korlick's, uh YouTube channel. He got Corey Marshall and Liesl Wilkerson. Corey uh, voices the English version of Rio, and Liesl voices the English uh, characters or versions of uh, Joy and Xu Ying and Yuan. Mm. Uh, so he got them to say a couple of lines, and he got Corey to put on a, like a leather jacket and just kind of 
Stonefaced asks, you know, like, you know, those questions that he asks, uh, Rio asks in, you know, Dawita and, and the other uh, towns, and he r- just walked up to, like, random people, so he just got, like, awkward responses, which is what he wanted. Um, <laughs> I was in on the joke, so I just kind of made more snarky responses. Um, but, yeah, that was fun. And then I got Corey and Lisa to sign a Megavisions magazine. It's probably in my backpack, or it's in Chris's. I don't remember where it went. It's one of our backpacks. Um, that was really fun. Uh, I would also agree with the New Day versus the Elites. So if you guys are pro wrestling fans, uh, basically WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, putting on a wrestling-style Street Fighter match. You just have to watch the live stream to know what I'm talking about. Okay, I got to take it back. That's the single best thing I've seen at E3 almost ever. Like, yes. I guys, I won't let it. I'm I'm not the biggest modern WWE fan. I like the kind of classic stuff. But like, you guys were like, "Oh, this is guy Kenny Omega," and I knew the New Day. I'm like, "Well, it'll be somewhat entertaining." I didn't know it was going to be that friggin' entertaining. They, they came out throwing pancakes at the audience. And, like they hit this girl <laughs> in the head right next to me, like, right in the face. Like, like, <laughs> well, she's like staring at it. So, and people were scared of pancakes off the floor and just like and it was. It was like a was full madness. wrestling event that involved playing Street Fighter. And I got to be honest. If they could incorporate more of that into esports, you would get my. I mean, I, I mean, I would follow that to the ends <laughs> of the earth. That was the most entertaining thing I've ever seen at an E3. I've been to four or five of them now, and that 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 was amazing. <laughs> One of the, I think the coolest aspects about that, and thanks uh, to both of you for for stealing my uh, <laughs> my thing there. Um, You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the fact that it's uh, from two companies, like WWE guys working with New Japan guys, which is something you just really, really don't see uh, WWE guys able to do because the WWE is like so corporate, you know, so like strict with you know what they allow their people to do. But um, like Xavier Woods has been able to grow up, up, down, down into this you know huge, huge YouTube uh, channel. That has kind of transcended a lot of things and has allowed him a lot more like freedom to do things like this. And so that was one of the things like afterwards, after, you know, they, they went through the tournament, they kind of shared and, and you can tell like it meant a lot to both Xavier Woods and Kenny Omega that they were able to do this and that they, the idea though was uh, not just to bring both of them together to play a game. Their, their goal was to shine a light on eSports and competitive, you know, like fighting game, like that whole scene. That was what they were there to do. They wanted to show people how entertaining it can be, kind of like what you're talking about, Rob. Like, they, they want to show, like, this is this incredible community that's out there, uh, and they want to bring more eyes to it. And I think they did that. I mean, it's it's the video is getting, like, millions and millions of views. It's going to be super, super popular. Um, I, I came home and like showed um, Odin, uh, my son, who loves Kenny Omega. He loves the New Day, uh, and he couldn't believe that we were right there. And then we watched the actual official Capcom stream, and he was like, "All he was talking about was like, where are you at? I want to be able to see you." He just <laughs> thought it was so cool that we were there. Um, and so it it's really neat how they're using the you know wrestling style entertainment, but 
wrapping that into esports and, and you know like uh, like the fighting game community and just making it so much more interesting. Uh, so I yeah, that was absolutely number one my my greatest moment of E3. It was so much fun. It was it was one of those things that you're you're going to be able to like look back and say like we were there when that happened because you n- never know like what you know what effects this will have like down the line like whether don't, it may don't undersell it Chris it was guys I mean I don't know as a purely just a person who stumbled in on this um, I'm telling you right now like that's the future of esports entertainment not just a bunch of guys coming out talking shit about how great they are like right. it was entertaining. Like, you didn't have to know a freaking thing about Street Fighter, New Day, or Kenny Omega. You didn't have to know anything to know that this was awesome. This and what, was so much fun. And it also featured some pretty high-level, like, fighting game, you know, like, uh, uh, like talent as well. Like, Kenny Omega and Xavier Woods are legit really, really good. Uh, at Street Fighter, the Young Bucks sucked. But, uh, yeah, but the way they—I they, don't want to spoil it—but the way they sell their inability to play Street Fighter was perfect. Like it was—it was entertaining. Absolutely, it was great. Yeah, it was—it was a lot of fun. So that was so good. Um, that was really really good. Um, but let's uh, quickly wrap up the E3 talk. Um, why don't we quickly uh, go around and talk about what our favorite game or product? of E3 was. So, like, you could pick a game that you loved. I, I probably already know what Graham's going to pick. Um, or a, a product. So, uh, Marson, why don't you start us off first? Uh, let's say... Oh, God. Now I'm put on the spot. I didn't really think this through. Um, so, I'll just tie hey, it Omega between... Omega is your favorite product. He's my favorite product. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kiwami 2, I'll say, I, I was still fascinated by it. And I'll also say poly, the Polymega uh, as the uh, product, because that definitely did um, uh, blow me away and kind of ease my concerns of what a console like that, like what they promised, and actually playing it and seeing it in action, it's not a Coleco Chameleon. I can tell you people that it's not going to be a Super Nintendo 2 in a Jaguar shell. <laughs> it's the real deal. Yeah, yeah like, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about that because, once again, you've stolen my <laughs> thing that I chose. It's good. So I'm, I'm kind of getting used to it at this point. Um, we talked to uh, the guys at Polymega, and here's the thing, like, a lot of people are starting to think that, uh, you know, each new iteration or each new product that's like this Neo Retro console, it's all the same. It's, you know, these like really crappy Android based uh, systems that are just, you know, taking emulators that other people have done and just wrapping it into a chip, you know, um, like an emulator or a system on a chip. And that's what it is. Um, this is not that at all. Like, th- these guys are super, super talented. Um, they're former Insomniac developers that have decided that they want to really uh, do a, a near retro system the right way. And they built it from the ground up. I mean, the, uh, the UI is completely, uh, completely custom. They've done it. It's, it's all Linux based. It looks really good. Um, What's neat about it, so the system is going to cost $250 when it uh, releases, like here, uh, it's Q4 2018, so the base system is going to be $250, it's going to come with a, uh, a controller, um, one uh, modular uh, like system, so you basically, the idea is you can um, take off a, a portion of like the cartridge slot, essentially, 
of the system and replace it with a different one. So say you have a Super mm-hmm. Nintendo one on there. You can take it off and then replace it with a Genesis one. You can take it off and replace it with a TurboGrafx-16 one. So each of those modular blocks are going to cost like $60. Um, but it also has a CD uh, drive on at the bottom. And those, you, will not, you won't have to swap anything with that. Um, but it's going to expand the compatibility like huge and far beyond any of the other systems that have come before because all of those are, are basically all cartridge uh, based or like card based. This one is actual optical drive. Uh, so it's going to have like PC engine or uh, compatibility, Sega CD, uh, maybe like 3DO. And I was actually talking to um, both of the, uh, one of the, uh, the software uh, engineer and the CEO. And they said that after the system releases, their goal is to go in and update uh, like the firmware and add in Sega Saturn support. Ooh. So you're going to be able to get Sega Saturn games on there. Um, and so he said the, the idea is like you'd be able to go to the digital store, which is going to be um, in the system, and say maybe the Sega Saturn firmware updates like 20 bucks, And you just download it, um, install it, and right away you can just put a Sega Saturn game in there and it'll play... Um, Perfectly that fine. That is cool. The emulation <laughs> really was cool. like perfect. We were playing Sonic Two. The sound played perfectly. There, we we didn't notice any um, like uh, latency issues. No frame rate issues. It for the most part, like it it seemed perfect. Uh, the perfect retro system. What were your thoughts about it, Rob? Well, I now have a permanent home for my copy of Robotica, so I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. This was the system. This was the one thing you guys are telling me about. We're going to meet the Mega guys. We're going to meet the Polymega guys. And I had only seen, like anyone else on the internet, I had only seen the initial announcements, which looked like renders to me. And I need another retro console in my house. Like I need a, you know, I need, a, I need an audit on my tax return. Like it's just my wife is just she's like no more retro game console. <laughs> However, <laughs> if there's one to defeat them all, this this certainly is it. We spent, I mean, I want to say, what, a couple hours probably, cumulative, yeah. talking to Eric, the, the lead uh, architect of this, and the, you know, the better part of it, he spent almost, what, 30, 40 minutes with the uh, the CEO. These guys, they, not only do they know what they're doing, they understand the nuance of the tactfulness of the controllers, the weight, the feel of everything, how it needs to feel right. The, the UI never stutters, it never chugs across. Um, the system is super clean, super. It's it's the best I've ever seen, and I can't imagine there being really. I I can't imagine there being a better one in terms of just being able to take uh, a game, put it in, rip it to a drive, and it work. I I won't lie. I have you know things like Hyperspin and ROMs to try to make up for the fact that I don't like plugging and unplugging my systems a bunch of times. But over the years, I've come to not like ROMs. Because they're so inaccurate, they. I mean, if you if you really play the original games, they're just not. They're not emulation only gets you so far. You're like, this is not actually how it was to play this game. It feels this is all wrong. Uh, so I want something that I can take my actual collection of games, rip and it play perfectly. We, Marson. I mean, we. You. I mean, you were playing. We put in Batman and Robin, Sonic Two, every Toy Story, I mean, every. Yeah, and the Batman Trek is one of those <laughs> ones that it's going to throw 20 guys at you at once. 
that game, if not emulated properly, will chug. And the music will, will warble in spots, too. It was flawless. I mean, it really was. And, and I, it was it was more frustrating to go on the internet and read people's shit on the announcement on Twitter. You know, oh, this is going to be a goof. Oh, it's not going to be... When oh, people man. get to play this, I mean, guys, it, it's the real deal. Like, they're not... And I, I mean... I mean, I just, it's going to be $300 plus, you know, coming out my wallet this Christmas. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's not cheap, but if you, if you really want the system that's going to play your stuff as accurately as possible and it's going to give you the most compatibility as possible, this is 100% the system that's going to do it. So um, go check it out. Go Google Polybega and, and do some research on it. I think they're going to be open up pre-orders here in the next few weeks. Can, can I just ask, so in terms of power of the system and stuff, like um, are they looking at sort of, because you said it's all they get looking at expanding to like Sega Saturn and stuff, which is obviously very hard to, I mean, it's almost, it's very difficult to emulate, for example, like, uh, but they're saying that they can do that. They can handle that sort of yes strain. And what about things like the N64? Are they like looking at having I didn't ask them about that? that because I personally hate the Nintendo 64. Well, you, you, you've got problems, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I, I can answer a little bit of this. I spent a long time with Eric talking about it. And the oh, yeah. way he was describing it was that let's say you got a system that doesn't need, um, let's say it doesn't need cards or it needs extra power. You could have. Mm-hmm. A module that plugs in to add the extra boom. You know? Okay, or, yeah, that's. So, like, if there's something that requires, like, a Dreamcast, you know, it's going to require some extra whatever, then you're, you're, you're buying a module that would have that. It, it's all designed, it's running in Linux. So, like, it's, it's designed to be able to do that, you know, from cool. the get. Uh, but yeah, with the older, with the older, they had everything on there, Turbo Graphics. They had Super Nintendo, Genesis. What about 32X? Would it be able to do 32X games, for example? Yeah, yeah, it'll be able to do 32X. Really? That's interesting. That's why I'm so impressed. (laughs) We kept going back. I was like, there's got to be some thing. Because I remember when we first played it, I couldn't remember the music. So I was like, because it's loud in there, guys. And so I was like, uh, was the sound on? And then Chris and Marston were like, I don't know, maybe the sound was off. We got to uh, no, it was all there, and they had every game loaded, so you could jump between any system you wanted, and there That's was no cool. stutter or sputter or anything. So one of the yeah. uh, the one of the their like longer term plans is to create basically like a Netflix for games for the system. So they're going to reach out to all the different like publishers. And their idea is like to like ten dollars a month or so is you know you'll have like a subscription based service. Where you can go and and you know just play and download a bunch of these games. Um, in addition to that, when the game sh- when the the system ships, they're they're hoping to have like fifty to one hundred games pre installed on the system. So that's one thing that they've been doing while they're out mm. at E three as well is like talking to Sega, talking to other uh, you know companies to to look at licensing games. So say maybe you don't have like a very large library of cartridge systems but you're still interested in it you could buy this and you'd have you know pre-installed games uh already ready to go which is basically what sega forever should have been but right yeah. <laughs> give you a quick diagram as i've been doing concept art on the spiral remake right so i've been like i've been like in needy for the past several months of just 
watching and playing and studying the original Spiral on, PC, on PSX, and they had it up on there, and it was running flawlessly. Oh, cool. You know, that, flawlessly. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Nice. And Chris, you, you've obviously got a retro freak. How does it compare to Retro Freak, for example? Like, say, because I've got Retro Freak, would I really need to get this? I know you know you say you can do PlayStation and maybe Saturn and stuff. But I think for the for the CD based systems uh, alone, it definitely is going to be worth it. But it, I mean, it expands on the capabilities. It's going to do stuff like you can stream to Twitch right from the system. Like wow, it, okay. it's going to be. It's also going to be internet connected. Um, it's it's it goes so beyond. It's it's basically a next gen console for retro systems. Nice. Like it yeah, brings you, all those retro games systems and create collections and share them too. And be like, here's the top ten. And I can yeah, you'll be able to customize your library. Say you want to just make something like a RPG folder with RPGs from every you know system that it is you know compatible with. You can do that. Uh, and so nice. there's lots of customization that they're doing. Um, it, it's it's going to be awesome, man. So this is basically almost like the ultimate emulator, but it's legal in a, in yeah. a way. That's, yeah, yeah. Which is it, really it, cool. It's perfectly legal. Um, so, Sweet. yeah, man, it's, it's, oh, it's going cool. to be awesome. So, um, cool. Yeah, so yeah. that is um, our E3 oh, talk. You, did, you didn't get to hear my favorite game. Oh, oh, I forgot. All right, which, what is it? Yeah, which I think you don't know what it's going to be. What do you think it's going to be, Chris? Halo. Oh, um, you're wrong. Yeah, I know it's not going to be Halo. Um, <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 2. Uh, no. Well, I was quite oh. surprised by that, actually, because I didn't realize that was actually coming out. But um, uh, no, it's going to be Ori and the Will of the Wisps, because uh, ah. I thought Ori and the Blind Forest is, to date, my favorite game this generation, and I'm just expecting great things from the, the sequel, because uh, I love that game. It was beautiful, it was amazing, and I had a great adventure. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for that. So that's it. There we go. Now we've finished everything. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> okay. um, so now, like we promised at the beginning of the show, uh, is our time to announce uh, a huge thing that we're, we're working on. So uh, as some people who are listening to this know that we, in addition to Sega Nerds, we do Megavisions Magazine, which has been a digital interactive Sega-focused magazine. Um we finished the first six issues of the magazine, which we uh, were able to fund through Kickstarter. So we were able to fulfill our Kickstarter commitment. Uh, we shipped all of our uh, you know, backers uh, their uh, rewards and everything. So we were able to get all that out. Uh, and then we've been doing some, some work and, and working towards the next generation, uh, the next iteration of Megavisions. And mm-hmm. so what we have been able to deliver is a physical version of Megavisions, which is something that people have been asking for since we launched our Kickstarter. People have been saying, yes, I want a Sega magazine, but I want it physical. I don't want a digital version. I, I want to be able to pick it up and read it. Uh, it's something that we wanted to do at the time, but it just wasn't It just wasn't realistic at the time to be able to just launch a magazine out of nowhere and make it print. Well, now we've taken the time to do that, and we're able to you know, finally deliver on that dream. Um, in addition to being a physical magazine, uh, Rob, who is one of the best cover artists in the game, but also one of the best game 
magazine designers has completely redesigned the magazine uh, mm-hmm. from cover to cover. Uh, so, Rob, I wanted just to you know kind of throw it over you know to you and and so you can talk about some of the design of the magazine and some of the inspiration and and you know what people when they come and look at the magazine like what is it that they're going to be seeing and how is it going to be different from some of the other magazines that they've seen in the past. Well. Thank you for the kind words, Chris. Uh, aside from trying to not anger Graham, uh, <laughs> I'm doing anything that he did. Uh, look, uh, so I came into game magazine design, uh, kicking and screaming, about several years ago. I used to work at a game magazine called Play Magazine, and I got hired as a staff artist really to launch a series of graphic novels based on video games. We were doing one at the time based on a game called Death Junior, which was a big series on the PSP. And so we were going to do these graphic novels that would then get turned into games. And then the recession happened and play folded overnight. And it was really quite terrible. And the owner of that uh, wanted to relaunch Game Fair, which was a magazine that first started in the mid-90s. And I was going to be... Because Game Fair had a very rendered design style with tons of screens and colors. The graphic designer that they had on board was not really up to the task of making that. So the idea at the time was that he would do these base layouts and then I'd take them to Photoshop and do what I can do. And it would be like this collaboration. Unfortunately, the way it worked out is I ended up having to make all the magazines myself. And it was uh, creatively the, the, the most complicated thing I've ever done. I did about seven issues before financially it just wasn't responsible to continue and I, I went back into doing uh, concept art and, and t-shirt illustrations and other things. Over the years, I have spent a lot of my free time designing my own game magazine, just various styles, uh, because I really feel that I, I grew up with game magazines. Game magazines to me were my comic books, Nintendo Power, Sega Visions, Game Fan, EGM, Game Pro, Next Generation Magazine, Edge, they were all that's how I, there were this combination of artwork and game screens and personality that culminated with Play Magazine and I ended up working there which was crazy but unfortunately around the mid 2000s up until even today a lot of the remaining magazines that have made it are either surviving on nostalgia alone like hey we're covering Nintendo that's it, I love Nintendo so I'm going to get it or they're just really I don't know, bland looking to me. Like, they're not collectible. There was something about the old, the older magazines that had a sense of personality, a sense of timelessness, and and they weren't like here's just the news and the reviews and that's it. You really kind of felt like you were getting to the mind of the game each each point. So I don't know how to describe this. This is a little this is a little uh, touchy feely, folks. This is a little <laughs> a little hippy trippy. However. When you guys said you were going to a physical magazine, um, I had this idea for the longest time of making a magazine that looked that featured newer games or older games, whatever, but looked old. So I wanted it's going to look old. It's got faded pages. It was going to have you know textures. It was going to look like a thirty year old magazine, but be new. I tried to do this with Game Fan because. It was based off a 20-year-old magazine. Unfortunately, that idea was just a little too far advanced for people <laughs> several years ago. Uh, you it was guys like go. the Dreamcast of video game magazines. Yeah, I guess. I love the Dreamcast. It would be like, I mean, 
I think, for, in my mind, I just feel like um, uh, there's there's something about noise and texture that makes something have more depth to me than clean and polished and perfectly pretty graphics. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. There's something in the noise. That's why I like film. I like uh, I like vinyl. You know, there's something beyond just clean and glossy stuff that that stands out to me. So when you guys were showing me some initial uh, layouts that you were considering for the Megavision's printed magazine, uh, I said, hey, Grant, I know you spent two weeks of your life like uh, doing this, but how about if I just put together a sample to show you what, you know, I've had this idea. And you guys looked at it and decided that that would be something you'd like to do. And then we did the mad rush to get that ready for E3. Yeah, we basically yeah. were able to create a preview issue for E3 that um, was about 32 pages or so, um, 36 pages. Um, the The full print version of Megavision is going to be 64 pages. Um, we're going to still continue to do new and retro coverage. Uh, it's, it's going to be this... You know, a lot of what you've seen in Megavisions before, the same great coverage, but it's going to be, you know, in a, a, a much different kind of package. It's, mm. it's going to be very different. I think it's, it's really unique, uh, a unique look that I, I've never seen before in a video game magazine. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback at E3. We talked to a lot of people. We talked to some people at Sega. Uh, we talked to some people outside of Sega, some, some, you know, just lots of different people. They all looked at it and they're like, wow, this is, uh, this looks like an old magazine, but it looks new and it, the design and, you know, the writing is really great in it. Uh, so we're really excited about it. Um, the way I think about it, Chris, is that it should remind you, like, you, you know how you have these memories of playing games and then you go and mm-hmm. play them and you're like, that, this is not as good as I remember. <laughs> right. Like it should it should invoke the memory, but but ignore all the trappings of older magazines, right? So mm-hmm. it should be clean. It should have some negative space. You know, you can use bright colors, but it has to have a more unified color design, and it should feel collectible versus disposable. Like you don't want to get a magazine. Like these things cost so much to produce and to ship, and you know, you have YouTube pages, you have your own guys' website that you can get up to date news information. That when you do get an issue, it should feel like that thing that is going to go on your shelf. It should be you should be able to put it right next to an art book, and it fits right at home. It's not something that you're going to read it and chuck it. You're not going to want to throw these away. Like that's always the goal I have from day one. That you're going to want to collect it. Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea is to kind of blend aspects of like the art books that you you know you've you've um, you know seen on Kickstarter and everything else so you know like unlike some other magazines like the the art style and the design is is very much a prominent uh, you know aspect of what megavisions is going to be um, but it also has you know some of the best aspects of you know uh, video game magazines as well so we're still gonna do new reviews uh, retro reviews retrospectives, uh, some some cool features like Graham's What Did I Just Play, which looks at like some crazy Sega game that you know just makes absolutely no sense. It's one of my favorites. So we're going to continue to do all those things, interviews, 
all that stuff. Um, but we're going to expand our coverage and and do some more deeper, you know, dives into stories. Like, so our cover stories are going to kind of go deeper than they have in the past, and we're actually adding some other uh, writers from the community that uh, everyone I'm sure will know. Um, but we'll announce those um, at a later date. Uh, so if you want to go check out uh, Megavisions, you can go to patreon.com slash megavisions. The Patreon is active right now. So when the, when you hear this, uh, you'll be able to go and and actually uh, to go and become a patron. So uh, for seven ninety nine, uh, you can get a print subscription to, to Megavisions. That's $7.99 per issue. So you'll only get charged... Uh, for that uh, when an issue is actually ready to ship. Um, or you can get a digital subscription for $2.99, which is basically a PDF version of the, the full print issue. Uh, we're no longer going to be doing the uh, the interactive version, but if you were one of our old Kickstarter backers um, or someone that came on board at a later time and, and purchased one of those copies, those will still all be good. You'll still be able to read those. Um, so all your purchases are safe. We're just no longer going to be updating that app anymore. Um, mm. And Graham, I, I'd like to you know get your thoughts on it because you know obviously you've been you know one of the you know the major uh, forces in Megavision. So what do you think about uh, the the future of Megavisions? Yeah, I'm totally excited. So as Chris sort of mentioned earlier, this is actually something we wanted to do originally. We just physically and financially couldn't really um it's at the time it yeah, wasn't financially viable to really do it um and then now stuff's moved on and it's it's now actually at a stage that we can do this and with the teams we've all like been working on it for like a last year or two and we've sort of come together that we can actually do the, the print version quite uh it seems to go quite well and now we've got rob on board especially um rob's done a great job um as chris all mentioned and just making it better <laughs> i guess <laughs> um, I stress out, folks, when we handed the magazine to people like it doesn't feel like a magazine like it does i don't know how to describe it like it has a texture and a look to it that mm. you know goes so far online but when you get it it's better in person and that yeah that's just been my philosophy for my own art and everything i make like a lot of my art sometimes has a lot of details and things and on an iphone or on your computer monitor it's only so you only get so much out of it. But when I've always I've been doing this now for, for since 2004, you know, just professionally, just working professionally and, and shipping my own art and, and everything else. And when people get stuff, for me, it should always be better in person than the purchase that you looked at. You know, when you when you made it, like you show you like, oh, this is way, oh my god. And so this it feels solid. It has yeah. nice weight to it. You know, it's not flimsy. The paper is thick, and and and, and uh, I mean, Chris, I think the, the funny part was when people thought it was an older magazine. They were like, "Oh, yeah, with it." Like, <laughs> 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 <this is> funny. <laughs> exactly, because they're flipping through it, and they're like, "Oh, wait, Sonic Forces! Like, what is this?" Um, yeah, it was it was really funny. Um, I I'm just so excited about it. Uh, it's it's going to. I, I the thing I'm most excited about it is that. A, a physical Sega magazine is like coming back to the community again and it doesn't even matter that we're the ones doing it like I, I would be equally as excited about it if someone else did it mm. especially you know if, if I was just you know um, a, a, you know just being a fan and never have done it like I, I think the Sega community is is such a passionate and dedicated community that there should be a Sega magazine for them and I think uh, once they get a look at this, 
they'll they'll see kind of what we're looking to do, and and I, I really think that people are going to get on board with it. Uh, yeah. So go to Patreon.com/slash/MegaVisions, and you'll be able to actually go and download the preview issue for free. It's it's a complete uh, thirty six page issue uh, that uh, we've done with uh, you know some, there's new content in there that you've never read before. Graham wrote a a really awesome Power Stone retrospective. It has uh, Power Stone on the cover. It looks fantastic. Uh, I, I think uh, people are really going to enjoy it, and we, yeah, we just, you know, we, if you want this to happen, uh, go and check it out. Uh, become a patron. Tell your friends about it. Share it on social media. Share it on Facebook, and tell people about it. Uh, because once we, you know, we we get enough subscribers, we'll uh, be able to actually print this thing and start shipping it out and get rolling and and, mm. and print in a, each issue every other month. Uh, is going to be a bi monthly magazine. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm super excited about it. We put a ton of work into this, uh, and it's only going to get bigger from here. You know, we, we have a lot of big plans for Megavisions. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be great, guys. So yeah, it's I'm, be I'm awesome. really excited. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want me to, Chris. Do you want me to address any, like, questions that might have arised from the fact that we're not doing the digital app anymore? Or? Sure, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, because I, th- I think there's something that a lot of people never really sort of got with the 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 actual digital the app version because you might be some people might be wondering why you're only going to do a print version in the pdf now why not continue with the app but the app was actually way harder to do than the print version (laughs) Um, and we actually didn't have full control over the app itself in a way we we didn't make the technology behind it we were partnered with um, pocket mags who do great they do great work and they've got a great platform but there's certain things that we just couldn't control. Like if there was a bug within the system, we physically couldn't fix that bug for people. And if people had like problems, they'd sort of put up on the app store, like a review, for example, but we didn't have access to actually respond to it because pocket mags owned the technology behind the app and stuff. So it's just, um, I think this one great thing about this is we've got the full control over it. So if there is a problem with something to do with like, uh, I don't know, the PDF version, we can fix that. If there's, um, errors in our printing we can sort of look at that in future and address that but with the digital app we just couldn't do it and yeah, we just blame um, me right we just go we could yeah. just blame we'll Rob we'll just blame like that guy and while while the, the the app version offered really cool interactive features like you know just in having videos you could have you know panoramic images scrolling galleries and all that stuff it never worked the same way across all the devices. And cause there's so many different devices out there, you know, you've got, you've got, um, iPads and iPhones, which are the easiest ones to do, <laughs> but then you've got the, you know, you've got like hundreds of different Android devices, all of which seem to work slightly differently and display things slightly differently. And then you've got windows devices and, and stuff. So yeah. And cause we didn't have full control over the app. It was just a pain in the ass. And so that's one of the other reasons why we kind of decided to move away from that interactive thing. And the technology is good, but it's not quite good enough to give up for us to give you the perfect experience. Whereas this magazine almost basically is the perfect experience. As, as Rob was saying, it's something tactile. You can hold it. It feels good. It looks good. Um, and even the PDF, it, yeah, the PDF version looks fantastic. But I think the print version is just something that when you got it in your hand, you're like, Oh, now th- this is it. This is this is like what it was, you know, growing up before the internet. Actually, having, you know, <laughs> something to read. It's great. So yeah, we're not yeah, going to waste the, the the page counts with like, oh, and here's you know the new 
crap you can buy, you know, the new the new Sonic the Hedgehog lollipop candy set. You know, we're not going to fill it with four month year old, you know, old news and stuff. It's really a place to put things that are that should be collected into print. You know, that mm. should be worth you know taking the time to to read and and. I mean, look, Maggie Magazines is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, it's not a get-rich-ever no, scheme. <laughs> that matter. It's a do-it-because-you-love-it. And in order to... to ju- I mean, how many... I never got, as a kid, I never got the Dragon Force cover that had, like, a Joe Matt or a comic book-style cover art, you know, with, like, 12 pages of awesomeness in there for Dragon Force. I never got the Shining Force, you know, like, deep-dive... Uh, historical, like here's the differences, you know, one, two, and three, and then here's some great art to go with it. And here's some, I mean, there are there are so many things that even I grew up with that I never got to 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 own. So it's an opportunity between even the retro games and then some of the newer indie titles to create things that I have always wanted to own, you know, and to share. It's not enough. I mean, I could draw this shit on my own. I'd make my own magazine and be like, yeah, I made it, made it for real. But to be able to give fans I mean, how many people, I mean, when we were there, everyone was shocked. Power Zone? Like, you know, like, damn, I love that game, you know? Like, (laughs) we all would have been jonesing for a Power Stone 3 to be announced. So, there are so many things that have been left untouched. um, Because it's a very difficult market to find an artist, a designer, the right team that can can produce uh, the, the content that can be trusted to fulfill, you know, the orders. It takes a very, very specific set of skills, <laughs> you know, to go to right. quote and Thanks, just, Liam Neeson. Yeah, you guys, having having worked with you on the digital magazine with the cover art, uh, I've never, in, in the year, has it been like two years now? Year and a half, two years? Um, we've never, we've never, I've never been like, I hate these guys. Like you, <laughs> I'm like you guys. <laughs> I just spent an entire week in L.A. and I was like, "Oh, they're gone." That's you know, I was like friends, <laughs> like friends only. Thank God, I don't have to. Yeah, definitely. But no, so I'm I'm really appreciative of, of this being an opportunity uh, to to do this and to be able to to get into the hands of the people that care the most. You know, mm-hmm. and and I just think that the Sega fans, it's. I mean, they got me in 91 setting out with that damn Sonic packing game, and you know, it's never, it's never <laughs> let go since, you know. <laughs> so, super excited. That's awesome. So awesome. everyone, like I said, go to patreon.com slash megavisions, and you'll be able to read all about uh, all about our plans for future issues. You'll be able to read all about uh, the preview issue and check it out, and then you can make the decision whether you want to uh, support us or not and help us make this a reality so uh we certainly hope you do that um and yeah if you have any questions just reach out to us on social media uh or uh i think you could probably send questions through patreon as well um so just do that if you have any questions and we will be sure to answer them so all right guys i think that's going to end it for this week's uh podcast awesome awesome Yay, it's over. <laughs> all right signing off and this was a uh, great e3 uh, looking forward to next year. Uh, will we all be there again? And hopefully, Graham, you'll be there with us next year. Yeah, let's hope so. We'll find out. Yeah, find all out right. next year. Our <laughs> next episode. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. See you later, guys. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye.